Good morning. At the time I'm recording this, it is 8.33 a.m. on Saturday, December 17th, 2022. This is episode 38 of the Cozy Corner of Cinema, and cozy we are. There is a beautiful frost outside. The streets are a bit icy by the looks of it. Not too shallow. It'll all melt by the time the sun comes out. It's going to be a beautiful day out today. You can already see the sun reflecting out there a wee bit. The cat's in the bed. He's got a belly full of food. Just fed him and the other cats. Put on the toy for them. Let them have some fun. Now he's relaxing, and I'm ready to relax, but I'm also ready to work. Got a uh, cup of coffee right here. I'm going to have some right now. And we're going to start off the day on the right foot, man. Got a lot to get done today. A lot to get done before the end of the month. So we can go right into 2023, hitting the ground running. And we're going to do just that. All right, man. I got a couple of videos coming up that I'll be posting on the channel in early 2023. Well, one of them may actually show up at the end of 2022. I got, um, I'm going to do a video on 10 films released in 2022 that may have flown under your radar. You may not be familiar with, um, a couple titles on there. I will bring up that uh, our 2021 films that I am currently in progress of doing the 2021 list. And uh, man, let me tell you guys, there's a film I watched yesterday from 2021 that blew me away that I had never heard of. I'd never heard anyone talk about. And I look on Letterboxd and none of the people I'm following have, have logged it. So I'm really looking forward to talking about that. I've got a good feeling that's going to stay on the list. As well as uh, just 10 uh, solid first-time watches and discoveries from the year. going to try to stay, stray away from classic films that I uh, hadn't seen previously. I know there's a... Every year is a, a handful of, of well-regarded classics I hadn't previously seen. That would be a little reductive to talk about if, uh, you know, brought up again. Like, uh, for example, I hadn't seen... Uh, previously, I hadn't seen The Killing, Stanley Kubrick's 1956 uh, masterpiece. But that's a pretty well-known film. So I'll probably stay, stray away from talking about that. But uh, you can t hear me talk more about that on my top 10 favorite films of 1956 list and going here on out i think i want to make it a priority to do at least 100 films a year if i had one major regret from the earlier videos is that i wish i uh watched more i, I see for 1998 i only watched 56 films and that's not a very good assessment on a year overall and I wish I had put in more effort to see films like Eternity uh, for a Day, a film that uh, I had trouble finding, but ultimately didn't follow through with uh, being more adamant about. And I really wish I had been more adamant. But even 1956, I only watched 69 films. And, uh, you know, uh, seeing how I hit 100 films for 2018, I really want to kind of make that the standard, where I feel like if I uh, judged if I put 10 out of 100 films, that's a pretty good criteria of the quality of said year. But with that said, plenty to do, but we're going to get it done. Because if we don't, then we're going to wonder why we didn't get it done. We're going to go, what the hell, man? Why didn't this get done? Be like, well, man, you did nothing but talk about it. What the hell are you talking about? Jeez Louise, man. 
been seeing some great films lately. Been catching up on a lot of great films. A lot of great new releases, too. I don't know if I mentioned um, recently. I mentioned I wanted to watch it, but I don't know if I ever followed through <coughs> through with talking about it. The documentary Senior on Netflix, which is currently streaming. A documentary directed by uh, Chris Smith. Directed many great films, uh, most notably American Movie. But he's a terrific documentary filmmaker, and if you get the opportunity, uh, of course, see his other work. But um, on Netflix, the the documentary Fire is uh, very good as well, and it's worth watching. But he directed the film, and uh, it is really a portrait of an experimental filmmaker. Uh, I won't talk about it for too long, because I... truly don't remember if I talked about it before previously, so if I have, then this is going to seem completely completely uh, uh, pointless. Maybe not pointless, because it's not pointless to keep this in the uh, general kind of uh, conscience, but, or, uh, there we go. Um, but a great portrait of a, of a filmmaker, and uh, from, a, from a son to his father, essentially. Uh, so definitely worth watching on there. I may or may not talk about it on the end of the year list again, because I don't know how well regarded it has been seen, uh, in terms of outside of film fans, but as well, uh, this film, I don't know, it probably won't make, you know, I don't know if it'll make the list or not in terms of end of the year films that you may or not have seen, but I kind of wanted to bring it up anyways, because it's a film that I uh, was looking forward to seeing already. And uh, I happened to come across a couple uh, negative reviews about it, so I, I looked on Rotten Tomatoes, which is a bad sign to do, because you shouldn't let any kind of aggregator uh, influence your opinion on any kind of uh, uh, material, any kind of art. Um, and I'd seen that this film had received a fairly low rating, and uh, so my I walked into the film, and uh, and the film, by the way, is Empire of Light, the new Sam Mendes film. Sam Mendes is a filmmaker who uh, I like quite a bit. His his last film, 1917, was a phenomenal film. It was uh, one of my favorites of uh, the last couple of years. It's a, a beautiful film. And Empire of Light is a solid film as well. Uh, I will say the first half of the film is uh the, some of the best stuff i've seen this year overall um the the characters interactions uh more importantly i mean the acting of, from all across the board is solid a, a little cliche with one plot point early on involving two characters um but uh that that's a minor problem there but i think be- uh, uh what's most important that i got away from is uh, the opening credits of the film, the the beautiful interiors of the cinema, the lights being turned on, the the popcorn uh, uh, lights being turned on, the uh, uh, theater itself coming on. It's it's a it's it's a beautiful intro, and seeing all the posters on the wall, you just you just I just imagine that Sam Mendes or or whoever was doing interior. Uh, uh, you know, uh, set design, uh, you know, meticulously chose these posters, especially since how the film goes over a couple of years, you see many posters for setting the mood, setting the, uh, the, the, uh, point in time. Uh, you got films like Marathon Man, uh, Breaking Away. That was so great to see a major film like this having a, a poster of Breaking Away. I love that film. Are you kidding me? Days of Heaven is there, Raging Bull, um, 
Uh, I'm trying to remember the Elephant Man, uh, that Goldie Hawn film, which I'm I'm blanking on the name of. Uh, gosh, man, I can see the poster right now, but I can't remember the name of it. Actually, I'll look it up now because I'm gonna forget about it if I uh, do not follow through with it. But just the Private Benjamin. That's the film. Very famous poster, but I always forgot the name of it. Uh, but just oh my gosh, man! If you go, if you see this film solely just for the set design, man, it, that's worth the price of admission right there. Um, and especially when they go to the upper levels of the of the building, and it just it's just one of the most beautifully uh, uh, on a shallow level, beautifully looking films of the year. On from a, a set design point of view and from a technical point of view. Uh, Roger Deakins is the DP on this again, um, who I think is, I mean, pretty well known in, ter- in terms of uh, DPs is, is, is pretty highly regarded. Um, he's probably, I don't, for what he does, man, you look at his work on films like Blade Runner 2049 or 1917. I mean, you look at that scene in 1917 when it's just the uh, the when um, the main character is running through the desolate uh, town at night and the light keeps coming up and down. I mean, holy moly, man, what a beautiful looking sequence. And the way this film is shot as well, beautiful. Uh, the score as well that I wanted to mention, I believe... I think it was, what, Trent Reznor who did the score for this film? I don't want to uh, uh, credit the wrong person if they did not do it. Um, But Trent Reznor uh, is up right here. That's right, he, uh, there it is. Uh, You know, just a fantastic composer. I I truthfully am not too familiar with, um, what's that band he's in? That's right. I'm not very familiar with Nine Inch Nails, so I don't really know what kind of uh, stuff he does there, but... Um, I, I, I see a lot of musicians who end up working also as composers and it's, it's no surprise that they're just more times than not just genius at it. Apparently he also did the score for Bones and All, which is a film I saw recently and I don't exactly remember this, how the score for that film went, but, uh, yeah, man, he's, uh, but I, I think a lot of people probably know him through, uh, a lot of his, uh, work with David Fincher doing like, uh, The Social Network and, uh, the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo and uh, Gone Girl, so fantastic composer as well. The film, the film overall, I think is uh, is just short of being great. I, where the film does have its issues for me is uh, some script issues. It's a little uneven at times in terms of plot structure. Where I'm, I'm okay with plot elements coming in and leaving for a bit. There, there's one primary. Um, plot point that the trailer doesn't really hint at um and that comes and goes in a way that i'm okay with but the script itself i do think is a little uh lacking at times and some of the character relationships i find a little um cliche there's one relationship in the film that ultimately i think is sweet and does uh work for me but the initial meet cute um it kind of took me off guard in terms of it didn't feel it didn't feel earned. It felt very abrupt for the sake of the plot needing to move forward. But with that said, I mean, across the board, I think all all the actors in this are are very solid. Colin Firth is in the movie for a little bit. He's primarily in the first half, but he's very good in the film. Um, 
Olivia Coleman is just one of the best actors working right now. She's terrific. Um, I was a little worried by the trailer because uh, there was a there was a point in the trailer where I, I it seemed like uh, uh, the big Oscar moment of her yelling and and I kind of uh, immediately abrasive to sequences like that uh, in films where it feels it can feel a bit um, you know when when, I, when an actor goes so big that it, uh, it it turns me off where it's. Uh, I question, I go, okay, is this going to work in context? And sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. The, what was it? I, I'm not going to name the film, but I, I saw a film recently uh, from uh, a filmmaker who I like quite a bit who actually has a new film out uh, with one of the actors in it. Uh, maybe you can guess what film it is uh, that I'm talking about. But anyways, he did a film that I liked, I liked quite a bit, but then there's a sequence of two characters in a house who are just comically yelling at each other and it feels uh it feels too much it feels like i I understand that characters have these interactions but for the sake of the film it feel it felt very awkward and felt um incredibly melodramatic and silly which is which is a detriment because the rest of the film is pretty solid i mean i enjoyed it quite a bit um but with that said um Olivia Coleman is very good in the film, and uh, the, the moments where she goes big, uh, it, it feels earned. Um, Tom Brooke is in the film for a little bit. He is kind of playing the the uh, an outside character, kind of observing the situations going on, uh, uh, and he's he's very good in the film. Uh, Hannah Onslow, an actor who I'm not familiar with, is uh, uh, plays Janine. I, I like uh, I liked her quite a bit as well. Uh, Michael Ward is, is the one who, uh, man, I'm not familiar with this actor, but he really just stole the, the stole the show a lot of the times. He's a very charismatic, uh, likable character who is flawed. He, I mean, he does something early on. He he, he uh, uh, says a or does something kind of a little a little cruel that as an audience member you're like, oh man, that that really kind of takes away. But he, he you know he owns up to it. He goes, you know what, I was wrong for that. And uh, it's, it's, he's great in the film. Um, get a sip of this coffee right here. The one actor who was one of my favorite actors, but every scene he was in I loved was Toby Jones. He plays the projectionist Norman, and he's not in the film a whole lot, but when he is, Toby Jones has a, the, something about him as an actor. He has a charisma, and he has a likability that every film I see him in, even if he's playing an antagonist, I end up liking him. Even, uh, uh, I think, a big part of a film like um, Barbarian Sound Studio, which I liked. I didn't, uh, I wasn't, I didn't have strong opinions on it, but I, I did enjoy it overall, but I think a big part of my enjoyment of that film is uh, Toby Jones as well, you know, playing a character involved in, in film, and there's a, a great uh, quiet sequence where he, or there's a great sequence in the film where he's showing another character uh, uh, when to change a reel in the film and, and to wait for certain, uh, uh, the certain uh, triggers on a film, you know, the little dots in the corner, or the little dot in the corner, I should say. Stuff like that is great, um, and I'm glad that it's not a film that is solely just about a, a wow, it still would have worked, but about a very shallow surface level. The cinema is great, and films are great, you know, that those are, those are fine and all, but a lot of times, uh, I need you know I want something a little bit more than that besides the obvious, and the film does that. Um, so it's not just one thing. I will say there's a point at toward at this point at the end of the film, it would have been the the perfect way to end the film, and I'm just like, and I was waiting. Uh, the screen goes black, and I'm like, man, that is a phenomenal ending. And there's a film they use where I'm like, oh my gosh, man, they 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 tied that in so well. And the problem is that the film goes on for another 10 minutes. 
which is very unfortunate. There's a piece of information that is revealed afterwards that could have been revealed in the previous scene, which actually would have made the ending where I thought it should have ended much more uh, impactful. It would have worked like, okay, this is a new step for this character. This is a new chapter, as they say in the film, you know, uh, moving on and, and time passing. And it doesn't do that. But with that said, the reason why, and I didn't intend to talk about the film for this long, but I might have some more coffee so the uh, half and half doesn't sit too long. Mm. The reason I want to bring up a film like this is that I think it's important to uh, not, I mean, don't, I, I, I strongly advise looking against any kind of outside source to influence whether or not you see a film or not. There's The way I see it, if it's a... If it's an acquaintance that I, uh, whose opinion I enjoy hearing, and they like or dislike a film that I feel the opposite on, that will not sway me from seeing it or not seeing it, but I want to hear what they have to say. But then if you go online and you read this, the hyperbolic, um, a lot of times just just poor film criticism, even from reputable sources, even from a big, you know, newspapers and stuff. There are just sometimes, man, you just, I mean, today I, uh, you know, I, I was pointed in, in the direction of a, of a big, I won't say this website, but a big um, entertainment website. They put out their worst films of the year list and um, they had, uh, they had bones and all uh, 3000 years of longing and, and blonde on the list. And that's just completely absurd to me. And uh, I mean, I've seen, I haven't seen that many bad films. I've only seen a couple of them where I, where I walk out of the cinema and I go like, man, that was some, that was just not good. And I'll even say up front, man, I, you know, you got, you know, if you listen to the show, I, I, you know how much I love blonde, you know, I'm a big fan of that film. Um, and if somebody doesn't like it, the thing that I take is that if it's an acquaintance, they have an opinion that I trust and they don't like it. I want to hear why they don't like it rather than just some random uh, uh, voice on the internet. You know, I don't care what they have to say. I don't know. I have no background on, on their criticism taste, but Bones and All, uh, which is a film that I I thought was okay. Um, some of my acquaintances really liked the film, and then next great, there's a lot that I like about it. Um, but Worst of the Year, that's insane to me. You know, it's just, and 3,000 Years of Longing, admittedly, I wasn't really a fan of, you know, I was sort of middle of the road on, but I see the ambition. I see what George Miller's trying to do. I think there's a lot of really great stuff in the film. I mean, Tilda Swinton and Idris um, Elba alone, I mean, two of the best actors working. Their chemistry is unmatched. They're both terrific in the film. I mean, granted, the film didn't work overall for me, but worst of the year, that's insane to me. I mean, when I think of my least favorite films of the year, which I'm not going to even bring up, because for one, it's completely pointless. I, I, I would I, Even films that I strongly dislike, I would never tell somebody not to see a film if they were interested, if they, if they were, if they, somebody comes to me and they say, oh, I see you uh, didn't like this film, should I go see it? I go, of course you should see it. Why wouldn't you? Are you kidding me, man? Why, don't let me influence you, man. I mean, I, it's just, it's completely ridiculous. I mean, there's one film in particular that I saw this year, which I thought was really bad, man. And I see on Rotten Tomatoes it has uh, like a high rating. And that's fine. They got something out of it that I didn't. But the idea that you should base your opinion off of somebody else that you don't even know or some number on the internet, it's insane to me, man. It's absolutely insane. If you're doing that, you're wasting your time. You're wasting everybody's time, man. You're wasting your own time because you're going to be sitting there with a film that you don't even want to see. But you go, okay, this got great reviews. Well, do you want to see the film? Yes or no? You know, don't. It's just completely pointless. And that's why Empire Light, man, it's a film that should be seen because I think it is a very good film. And it, it's, while it is just short of being great, um, and some of the uh, subplots are a wee bit um, 
uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Very um, uh, not exactly breaking new ground uh, in terms of uh, political tensions. Uh, with that said, it still works in the context of the film where it has like, script issues. But overall, man, uh, especially seeing this in a cinema, I think you're going to get a very good experience out of it. And like I said before, just the cut, just the set design alone, man. If you're somebody like me who is obsessed with the uh, the physical place of a cinema and thinks that you know, like I could, I I love photos of old cinemas. I love seeing insides of cinemas. When I go to a new location and I see there's a cinema there, I just want to go inside and see a film because I want to see what the inside looks like. I want. I wonder. I funny. I don't get popcorn or anything at the cinema, but I, I, in a way, I wonder what the popcorn tastes like. I wonder what you know, what posters will be up. It's a, it's a, a it's a thing where, actually, I'm completely obsessed with, and I think that's why the cinema, as a as a physical place, is the cinema is so important, and that's why you know when I see. When I see, I go on HBO, man, and I see some of these films that have been out for a month and they're already on there, man. Like Black Adam's already on there. That came out less than a month ago. Like, no wonder why these films aren't doing well. Are you kidding me? Because you're just dumping them on HBO or on Netflix, man. And I understand, man. People's financial situations. I understand that completely. You know, you can, or you have a family or have other responsibilities. You can't make it to the cinema. Trust me, man. Everyone's everyone's got different situations. I'm not saying that you know you shouldn't put new releases on there. That's not what I'm saying at all. I am saying though that it is a it is a wee bit discouraging when you tell someone you should go see this film and their reply is that oh I'll wait for streaming because they know it's gonna be on streaming in a month. You know you, you, that's why you see a film like when I saw Glass Onion, which was one of my favorite films of the year. Seeing that with an audience was so much fun because the audience was laughing at the jokes, they were getting involved with the mystery. Everything was working. Now we're gonna have to. Now it's you know it was out for a week. You go see it on Netflix, and uh, you know, maybe you feel differently. Maybe you don't. You know, that's why it is so important, man. Where even when 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 cinemas started reopening up uh, uh, during COVID, uh, you know, I was I was quick to go back there, man. Are you kidding me? Because the idea of losing any of these cinemas is is complete. It's completely. Uh, it's just. It's horrible, man. Are you kidding me? How many, how many businesses outside of cinemas just got lost to COVID? How many restaurants? How many? How many just uh, uh, establishments? I apologize. And it's insane, man. I seen before. I was traveling almost an hour to the only cinema open, and I was just seeing whatever they were playing, man. I, I was. I saw new films. I saw old films. I saw. I saw a lot, man. I, I just. I saw. Uh, well, I, I saw. Well, I'm trying to think. I saw. Yeah, maybe I can actually think about what films I saw there uh, during COVID, or during, I would say at least in 2020. I saw Unhinged, I saw The New Mutants, I saw What We Found, um, I saw Tenet, actually I saw Tenet twice, I went to an IMAX to go see it, then I went to the cinema to go see it. Um, maybe, I regret missing The Kid Detective, man, that was such a, that was such an enjoyable film that I had no, no advertising behind it, it had a bad title, didn't know what it was, but what an enjoyable film that was. Everybody should go see that one. Um, older films I saw, Maltese Falcon, Wizard of Oz, Casablanca, Citizen Kane, The Karate Kid. Gosh, man, I saw a lot during that. There, there's definitely others that I don't remember seeing, or uh, that I can't think of right now. But, man, it's just an important thing. You just you got to support the cinema, man. You know, I understand we all have bad experiences and all that. But when you have a good experience, the, the communion of everybody being in a dark room and just getting and, and getting their own opinions off of and, and own experiences off of the same piece of art, it's, it's unmatched, man. There's truly nothing like it. And I think seeing a film like Empire Light kind of... Um, uh, 
beautifully shows that. Uh, or at least shows cinema as as something almost like in a religious way of this holy place. You know, it's, it's completely... It's beautiful, man. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, didn't intend to talk about the film this long, man. Like I said, you know, but, you know, you should go see it still. Well, go see it in a cinema, man. Don't wait for VOD. If you have the opportunity to, and I understand not all cinemas are showing it. It's not a wide-release film, to my knowledge, but if you have the opportunity, go see it, man, in a cinema. You're going to get a you're gonna get a better experience there than sitting, in, you know, at home. God forbid you watch it on your telephone. Jeez Louise, man. You guys ever see that video with uh, David Lynch talking about people watch movies on their phone? I said it better than I could, man. Shit, man, you kidding me? Oh, didn't mean to swear. I apologize. Try to keep this show well PG-13, you know? All right, guys. Got to get some stuff done for today, but you guys enjoy your weekend or whenever you're listening to this. Um, enjoy the rest of your day or night. Get the work done. Do what you got to do. Don't slack off. Don't slack around, man, and don't waste your time with conversation that ain't going to get you anywhere in life, man. Surround yourself with people who you think will benefit you. Will not bring you down in pointless conversation about nothing, man. Unless you want to, then Godspeed, dear man. This is your own life. Do what you, do what you want with it. Don't hurt yourself. Don't hurt anybody else. And taking good art. That's all that counts, man. All right, man. All the best.